0: Welcome to Micromobility Update from August 2nd, 2022. I'm Hans Dorsch and I'm still a bit in a holiday mode. That's why the podcast is quite late today, but we'll get straight to the point with two new Micromobility companies from Porsche, new e-scooters in TS fleet and a stranded fleet from Bolt, plus a tool for comparing cycle paths for all those involved in transport planning. This is what happened today and yesterday in the world of micromobility. And before we start, if you like this podcast, recommend it and give it 5 stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'll start with Porsche, but not with Gate. Germans know that hashtag, but with Micromobility from Porsche. The company has recently invested heavily in electric mobility outside the car and yesterday it presented two new companies. I quote from SRZ Bike and I translate to English. Today, on 1st of August, two new companies are being launched. Porsche e-bike Performance GmbH and P2 e-bike GmbH. Both were founded jointly by the car manufacturer Porsche and Ponog, A subsidiary of the PON Group. The first company is called Porsche E-Bike Performance GmbH and is based in Ottobrunn. It's the successor company to Fazua, the drive manufacturer, that Porsche took over completely in June. Of course, the drive will continue to be built and sold, and in addition, other e-bike drives are going to be developed. The second new company is called P2 E-Bike GmbH powered by Porsche and is based in Stuttgart. Firstly, because of Porsche and secondly, because of Focus Bikes, which also has their offices there. As a brand for sporty bikes, they are a perfect match for Porsche and they belong to Pong Group via their parent company Derby Cycles. From 2025 on, Completely new Porsche e-bikes are supposed to be launched on the market from Stuttgart on the basis of the new Porsche technology. The managing director of Focus Bikes, Moritz Feilenschmidt, has quite practically taken over the management of P2 e-bike GmbH as well. I am quite excited by the development. The Fazua motor is great and lightweight e-bikes are definitely on the rise. Porsche is known for its design and also has some shares in Kraib, the e-bike company of Rimac from Croatia. They already worked with them on the Cycler bike. Mark Sutton writes on Twitter, If it were not official before, Porsche has launched an e-bike specific division and has rebranded the now owned Fazua motors with its own label. Will the change help sell e-bikes to consumers wishing to brag they have a Porsche? I'm not sure, but I can think of one e-bike right now that I would like to brag with. It's from a manufacturer that has introduced a new e-mountain bike with a Fazua motor that seems pretty hot. It's called the Shuttle SL and comes from Pivot. In the World Cup edition it weighs only 16.5 kilos which makes it almost on par with non-electric bikes, but it also costs at least 12,600 euros. Another thing about REMAC, the parent-slash-sister company of Gripe, in which Porsche has also a stake or with which it cooperates. The manufacturer of high-end electric sports cars announced yesterday that it will soon be producing new batteries. Round cells with 4.6 cm in various lengths. The larger format should make structural battery packs possible, that is, battery packs that can be used as load-bearing elements. For comparison, current battery packs are quite smaller. They are either 1.8 cm or 2.1 cm in diameter. And they are shorter as well. Tesla, by the way, is already producing batteries um, with more or less the same cell format. They come in 4.6 centimeters diameter and a length of 8 centimeters. And they are already building cars with it. So if you want to dive deeply in this battery rabbit hole, I have put a YouTube link in the show notes to the car deconstructors from Monroe Life. They have already found and bought a current Model Y, and you can watch them tearing it apart and analyzing it. Let's see what the sharing market is doing. There's very different news here from two providers. Provider number one is TIA. They are rolling out the sixth generation of e-scooters and renewing their fleets in Budapest, Linz, Warburg, Munich and other cities in more than 20 countries in Europe and the Middle East. They are setting quite a pace If you like, you can draw up a family tree of scooter development and send it to me. It would make a very nice poster for the office. And when we get to Generation 12, we can even make a wall calendar with a history of e-scooters. But first, back to the current innovations. Here's the short list. Visual feedback about restrictions in urban zones that is, slow zones, no parking zones, no driving zones, via the display. Improved turn signals with acoustic feedback. New phone holder, optimally positioned in the line of sight. Improved hydraulic suspension and a wider footboard. Improved engine and optimized drive system for acceleration, especially in mountainous areas. Improved double kickstand for more lateral stability. In terms of riding characteristics, I'm curious to see if it can match my current favorite, the 4th generation Lime scooter. Another sharing provider, on the other hand, is not bringing any new vehicles, but rather leaving its current ones behind. In the USA, Bolt is playing dead. But this is not Bolt from Estonia, the one with the green scooters and e-bikes, but... Bold Mobility, you might know the founder, it's Usain Bolt, the fastest man in the world who still holds the world record over a 100-meter sprint in 9.58 seconds. I'm quoting from electric.co. Bold Mobility, a shared mobility company founded by Olympic gold medalist Usain Bolt, has reportedly ended operations in five U.S. cities. So far, it appears that Bolt has ceased operations in Portland, Oregon, three Vermont cities in Burlington, South Burlington and Winooski and in Richmond, California. TechCrunch asked what was going on and got this answer from a transportation planner in Vermont. They've vanished, leaving equipment behind and emails and calls unanswered. We are unable to reach anyone, but it seems they've closed shop in other markets as well. Now, there are over 250 e-bikes in Richmond alone and nobody knows what to do with them. Electric goes on writing. I quote, It was pretty obvious that many of these smaller shared electric mobility companies would start going tires up. I like this image. And they go on. And in fact, this exact scenario was one of my industry predictions a few years ago. But I don't think anyone expected companies to just start pulling up stakes and moving out of town in the middle of the night. I'm hoping that cities will find a way to repurpose the equipment that will be rounded up. Unfortunately, the bikes and scooters are likely locked up by the operator, but perhaps the OEMs like Okai or other makers of these shared e-bike and e-scooters can lend a hand in unlocking the software. As a last resort, the e-bikes and e-scooters can likely be parted out, but it's a shame to see good working e-bikes and e-scooters either dismantled or destroyed simply because a company couldn't manage its operations. It reminds me of how Uber scraped thousands of jump e-bikes two years ago when they handed over their rental business to Lyme, who in turn bought up thousands of bikes mainly in Europe to save them. Not a pretty story. Finally, a link to a great web tool that can make the work and argumentation of all those planning traffic and cycle routes much easier in the future. At least if they speak and understand German. It's called Radwegecheck. It makes it possible to directly compare different forms of cycle traffic routing and the perceived safety with each other. The basis is a study on subjective safety in cycling. In 2020, the FixMyCity team in Berlin, together with the newspaper Berliner Tagesspiegel, asked Berliners what they wanted the streets of the future to look like. I quote, FixMyCity developed the survey Straßencheck and carried it out together with the Tagesspiegel Berlin. Using 3D images, 1,900 different street situations were assessed by over 22,000 participants. So that is quite a lot of data. First the Tagesspiegel evaluated the data and now all the data is available as an interactive tool. This can be used for example to compare alternative concepts in discussions with other traffic planners or during public participation. I've tried it out, it only takes a few clicks. I compared two variations. For example, one is a 3.5 meter wide cycle track separated from car traffic on the left by a hedge, And the other one is a 2 meter wide cycle track on the road, marked only with green paint. I guess you won't be surprised that on the first path 98% of cyclists felt safe, on the second only 69%. And even from the car, only 76% of participants found the second route safe. But there are so many different possibilities that you can paint more than black and white or good and bad with it. Give it a try and tell me or the makers if you can use it for planning. So that's it for today. We'll hear again in two days. And once again... As a reminder, like and subscribe, so give the podcast 5 stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and if you haven't already, subscribe so that the next episode automatically lands in your inbox.